to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Monday, January 29th, we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-18. to In today's text, St. Paul entreats the Corinthians to receive him and his ministry to them. Both in person and through letter, St. Paul reminds the Corinthians that he is a true servant of Christ, regardless of any humility or weakness. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as Assistant Vice President of Admissions and Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Thank you, Pastor Oppel. It's a great joy to be with you again. So we get started today. Pastor Wheatfelt, tell us how things are going there in Fort Wayne. What events do you have coming up there at the seminary? Well, we just got done with our annual symposia, and it was a, uh, like like usual, a ruckus event. Uh, quite quite enjoyable uh, to be able to have many of uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the, the country and the world be able to join us as we uh, did a deep dive uh, into um, the church's history, especially around uh, coming up to the, the, the 50th anniversary of the, the walkout in St. Louis and Seminex and all that kind of stuff, being able to do some retrospective looks and how church fellowship looks forward in the future. But uh, we've got our uh, Christ Academy confirmation retreat coming up here, uh, middle February. Uh, we've got a couple more events, uh, especially uh, prayer, our prayerfully consider event coming up here, uh, middle of March, March 13 through uh, 16. And uh, then we have our Christ Academy high school event, which is kind of crazy to think that we're already looking at the summer uh, here in G at the end of January, but uh, we've got our Christ Academy high school event for uh, high school age boys and girls uh, looking both at possible church work, but then also just interested in meeting some uh, fellow f faithful Lutherans from throughout the country. So lots of, lots of great things happening between now and the beginning of the summer. And for more information on those events, where can someone find that? For more information, you can go to our website, ctsfw.edu. You'll be able to uh, click on the events page and uh, see uh, all of the different things that we have going on. If you want more information about possibly being a, a, a becoming a pastor or a deaconess or another church worker, uh, you can also go to our website, click the uh, learn more link, and we will be in touch with you in a very short amount of time. Uh, the, for the, the, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, and uh, we continue to uh, welcome folks interested in possibly studying here at Concordia Theological Seminary as well. God be praised for the work that is being done there at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and our prayers are with you and with those who are considering full-time church work. So, Pastor Wheatfelt, we get 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for our study today. Talk to us about the context, this epistle, what Paul's been leading up to to get to chapter 10. Yeah, so Paul, this is now Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Uh, in his first letter, he's really trying to bring great unity. Um, there's there's things on the Lord's Supper, there's divisions happening, and it's all, you know, it's, a, it's this brand new church in a very, very secular place. And so Paul comes in in 1 Corinthians uh, and, and is really just lays out um, 
what the faith looks like and tries to bring them back to this orthodox um, view of of what the faith looks like, as opposed to kind of veering off, um, going some going back into uh, into you know really who are who are Judaizers, some who are um, you know in many ways almost becoming Gnostic in their way of, of viewing the scriptures and of, of the person of Christ. Um, uh, we see more of that uh, in, in Galatians, uh, especially in the way of the Judaizers, uh, and we see more of that uh, in Colossians uh, in way of, of, of the, the Gnostics um, and Paul trying to squash, squash both of those. But here in the second letter, Paul is really trying to reconcile now the body of Christ in Corinth and trying to rally them um, in way of, uh, of the faith and in the way of, of, of trying to help them move forward as, as, as the people of Christ united in Christ. And uh, so he, he's trying to bring this, this, this community back together. And uh, it really has you know, two kind of thrusts. First is this now, uh, the first thrust, this first appeal, is Paul appealing um, in way of his apostolic ministry of reconciliation. And trying to bring the people back together, and now, and now, this morning we're going to be looking at his second appeal, appealing to the people um, in the face of those who are um, really against Paul, set a set a, who have been set against Paul, uh, for Paul now saying, "I am one of the apostles," um, and what who am who and what that means, who he is, and why that is important for them. We just looked at. Um, the, the, the yesterday, uh, you know, the the the, the collecting of uh, Paul's appeal to collect the 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 offering in order to send to Jerusalem, and now um, we will, you know, today it's 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 continuing now that that appeal for Paul as he uh, he moves forward. Now this this uh, this chapter ten is like one continuous thought, so it is this is now a changing from one thought pattern in in the in the introductory stuff really one through nine now it will take a break and then we'll uh it, for something new that paul's kind of inserting almost in the middle of his letter and then the rest of the 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 letter is almost a whole completely another thought um with paul with with chapter 10 really being inserted in between as almost a segue if you will Okay, yeah. So this this is a pretty key transition point within within this epistle. Paul begins to uh, speak about his own ministry to the Corinthians. Uh, one of our previous guests, Dr. Adam Kuntz, uh, in speaking about a previous chapter, made the comment, and I think you really start to see it come out in this section particularly, that we can think about 2 Corinthians somewhat in line with the pastoral epistles, but this one written to a congregation rather than to the, the pastor. And you really do start to see Paul's pastoral heart for these people uh, within within this section. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind in this chapter and in the chapters to follow, so that we understand when Paul boasts, he's not doing so to build himself up, but rather to exalt Christ, whom he has been preaching, and to, to make sure that the Corinthians stay true to that true doctrine, uh, which alone can save. I would agree with Kuntz there. I think this is really, in many ways, it, the Second Corinthians stands apart um, from First Corinthians in that, where First Corinthians is a letter written to a congregation similar to Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, and the like, where the Second Corinthians really is um, you know, a pastoral epistle 
uh, in 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 light of uh, you know the, the fact that he is um, acting pastorally and giving pastoral guidance, similar to what he does, say in like First and Second Timothy, but again, to written to a congregation so that uh, you know they are able to, with their own eyes, view the pastoral office in a particular way to include Paul, apostle, um, but exclude who we're going to see. Uh, you know, in the next couple of chapters as what Paul refers to as the super apostles and um, those who are um, trying to take for themselves something that isn't actually given to them. So it's, it's a, that, I think, yeah, Kuntz has, Kuntz has a very good point there. All right. So with that in mind, let's take a look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ... I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. That is our text for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. All right, so Pastor Wheatfeld, as the text starts, Paul, he identifies himself. Again, you, you start to see how he's really uh, bearing his heart here, as he's, he's talked about elsewhere in this epistle. I, Paul, myself... I entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I whom, and he says he's humble when face-to-face, but bold toward you when he's away. I wonder if that's maybe an accusation that he faces from some rather than his own description, or that's what he's been told. Uh, What's going on here in this first verse as Paul begins this entreating? I, yeah, I think I think definitely that 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 last little bit is you're spot on with that, 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 that this is an accusation that he is, uh, that, that he is almost two-faced in a way uh, that uh, and that he is he that he is not he is the, he's arrogant or something and that he you know when he is with them he might be 
Um, he might be meek, but when he's with them, he's bold, uh, so on and so forth. But um, you know, with with this with this uh, first, you know, I think the Corinthians, or at least those who are set up against Paul within the within this Corinthian church, um, they they are trying to use this this meekness and this gentleness, or they view this meekness and gentleness as a weakness for Paul. Uh, that they are that they're saying, oh, he is not actually because of this. He is not actually one that is sent to us by God, uh, or that he is he is he is anti us because of this for one reason or another. But Paul, as you as you very well stated out, started out, um, is just bearing his pastoral heart here for the people. Um, he is really trying um, to gently lead them and guide them into the way of truth through Christ. Um, and he is, he is, he is, he is, it, as he does in other places, you know, uh, is trying to bear forth what it is he is called to do. That is preach the word of God um, to, and to, to share that good news uh, of Jesus with, with, with all people and to try to get rid of any sort of hypocrisy or any sort of um any sort of uh heresy even better uh, that it was within the church uh and uh trying to just root that 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 piece out so paul here is defending his ministry too um defending the work that he is doing among them um and whether that is just based off of what he has said in his first letter that people are trying bringing accusations against him that he is he's bold and letter and weak and weak in, in person or what uh, he, he he is now trying to show that no what you are getting from me is the truth whether I'm away from you or whether I'm actually face to face with you whatever it is who you're not getting two separate things and so as we you know get, you know looking at verse two. Um, you know what I think Paul is trying to do. There are some out there that's that are claiming that Paul is um, a fake apostle, that Paul's not true, um, that he's a uh, maybe not a false apostle, but that he's at least a fake apostle. Um, and in that, that he is a con artist trying to, or a charlatan, if you will, trying to pull the wool over folks' eyes, trying to you know bring uh, bring out the snake oils, if you will, uh, to in order to fool them uh, and to try to convince them that, that, that this way uh, is the right way. Whereas there are others within the church that are saying, no, what Paul is doing, it, do, what Paul is, it, is doing here isn't actually the truth. Let us show you what the truth actually is. Mm. Yeah. In that, in that second verse of the chapter where he says, I, I beg that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh, it, it's I get the sense that Paul's ready to confront, as as we'll hear about in the next chapter, confront these so-called super apostles who are really false apostles, those opponents of of him there in Corinth. He's ready to confront them with the needed boldness and confidence in order to uphold the true teaching. But he's telling the Corinthians here, I don't want to have to talk to you that way. So so please listen to me now in this epistle so that I can speak not to you in that way, but rather only speak to these these false apostles in that way. Absolutely. I mean, I think it shows such pastoral discretion that he he is, and I think, it, you know, in many ways, it's what 
us as pastors and how we act also. Uh, we are not going to come uh, at our, our, our uh, we shouldn't come at our, our members the same way that in, you know, uh, in way of teaching falsely or speaking falsely that we would our brothers. We are, our brother pastors are held to a higher regard um, because of the vows and the oaths we've made in our ordination. Um, and so we are going to, I mean, treat treat our brother pastors differently than we would treat our day-to-day members. If say a, a member speaks falsely, even falsely publicly, um, we would definitely renounce that and, and correct that teaching and say, this is not true, but we would not do it uh, as boldly or as forthrightly as we would do with a, with a brother pastor um, because pastors come with a higher, with, 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 with in a way that the the things that we say have higher weight um, than what you know the day to day lay person would if they were to say something like that. Um, and so, if it's coming from the pastor, it should. I mean, it's seen as coming from the pastoral office. And if um, the pastor says something falsely, uh, whether it be a brother pastor or his congregation, um, and it, this is known to be false. We should speak with all boldness and confidence that this is false and to call that out um, because of the office in which he, he is speaking from. Uh, and, and, and whereas, you know, a lay person may not, even the most learned of lay people, um, they're not speaking with that same authority. They're not speaking with that same invested, um, you know, call and office that a pastor speaks. And so Paul's going to deal with them differently than he is deal that is the Corinthian church than he is dealing with these now fake apostles super apostles as we continue to to come so Paul's going to be very very bold with them this fake super apostles but is going to deal more gently at least at the start with the Corinthian church I mean there will come a time when that so if that if that if the teaching um, or the speaking continues to be persistent. Um, on the part of a lay person, there will come a time when um, a pastor may need to speak more boldly and ultimately say, you know, call in calling the person to repentance, um, exercise the, the 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 lesser ban, if you will, um, in order to help this person and the congregation see that that what this person is teaching is false. And is against the body of Christ, and against, and in being against the body of Christ is against Christ, is anti-Christ, um, and so then there's a separation there, but that's not where the pastor starts. Uh, the pastor, this is it all, it ultimately could lead to that, um, but that is that is the last thing that the pastor or and the congregation wish to do um, for someone who knowingly, unknowingly, and usually unknowingly may speak or and even accidentally falsely. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And I think, too, not only then a differentiation between the pastor and, and the laity in that sense, as you were talking about, but also a difference between one who is a false teacher outright and one who has been falsely taught, which that distinction could exist both within the, the laity and within the, the office of the, the pastor. Right? There, there may be pastors out there who have been falsely taught throughout their lives, and Yes, in that role as pastor, they're engaging in a false teaching, but they've never been shown the truth. 
and there is a and, and similarly then with with the laity that that there are those who they they are they've been falsely taught and in I think you see it here in Paul and you see it elsewhere in Paul even later in this same epistle that that when he encounters those who are being falsely taught Paul is much gentler than when he speaks to those who have established themselves as false teachers and are blatantly and stubbornly and unrepentantly teaching falsehood those he speaks very strongly against whereas the falsely taught again he uses that that gentle pastoral heart and and calls them back to the truth using sharp words as needed but also with just a a, de- a gentler tone than he does toward the false teachers absolutely i think that's a very good distinction to make um, that those who are false teachers versus those who are falsely taught. For the falsely taught, I think once they see the truth and are taught the truth, um, will will repent much more quickly than the false yeah. teacher. Um, they will they will simply say, you know, oh, I mean, and and, and many of us have been guilty of this, um, you know, and whether it be a, a false teaching or an accidental, like just the way that we phrase something uh, is not as true is not as close to the truth as what uh, we intend for it to be. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think that's a very good distinction. And, and I think it's a, it's a good way for us as pastors to, to consider it as well, especially in dealing with our, our brother pastors and with, with the laity too, um, that, you know, we, one has to diagnose this. Is this, is this a, is this a false, pernicious, uh, wrong-headed teaching and something that you are um, actively engaged in, or is this just a misunderstanding that you now even, um, that, that, that you being the person uh, are just espousing as well because you have been misled. So I think that's a, yeah, very good points. So now at the end of verse two, he, he says that these ones that he's ready to speak boldly against, those are the ones who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. This thought of, of walking according to the flesh and, and in the flesh, of the flesh, the, the word flesh figures prominently in the next couple of verses. Uh, take us just into to verse three to get started, because we've got about four minutes here before the break. There Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. What's he, what's he saying as he starts uh, to turn this corner a little bit? Yeah, so Paul's making this distinction I mean, of, of, of flesh versus spiritual. That is, um, the flesh, uh, and it, 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 in, in many ways, uh, this is a very kind of Greek way of thinking about um, the difference between the uh, uh, spiritual matters and physical matters. And so the flesh... Um, oftentimes deals with uh, the passions and the like that they're held within uh, the things that are, are are not necessarily good. Paul's not trying to go to the step of uh, the next step of what the Gnostics do in saying anything fleshly is bad. And so one must ascend into some sort of spiritual realm. And that's, you know, Jesus as uh, the Messiah, as the, you know, the son of God is the first one to have done you know, that sort of spiritual ascension, he is simply saying that we are called to be in this world, to be fleshly, uh, that is walking in the flesh, but not uh, that, that what we're called to do is is not to dwell within that flesh, that everything that we are, everything, what who we are is not tied to that. We are spiritual people and our spirits have been, uh, our souls have been, um, you know, really taken 
in and 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 uh, uh, and, and, and been cleansed. Um, but we still have to reside here in this world. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We uh we we dwell in this world, but we are not worldly. That's what Paul is trying to what Paul is trying to say here. And so in verse three, when he's when he's making that distinction, yes, we walk in the flesh, but our war isn't against fleshly things. No, our war is against one who is now more powerful than you who are fleshly. And I think um, you know, this is a, this is this is a great turn because I think what Paul's doing here is saying, I'm not mad at you all who are against me. What you are being used, you are pawns in this whole thing. I am upset with the true liar who has lied even to you, the great deceiver, Satan. Who ultimately is who is who is who is who has more power than you, and who ultimately is trying to lead you away from the truth? He has lied to you, and he's using you. So, uh, yeah, I think Paul's trying to make that turn now um, when speaking of you know this this idea of flesh or the Greek word here is sarks or sarke uh, is which uh, is the word that the the, the direct quote for Paul. Um, he he uh, he's trying to now move them into this okay our our battle isn't against each other our battle is against satan who is spiritual who is uh, uh who is who who's trying to destroy now our stronghold of faith that christ has christ has given to us through his holy spirit mm, yeah and again once uh, once again you see paul's pastoral heart there to to remind this congregation who the real enemy is and, and how he's behind this. So this is a, a war that's not according to the flesh, and so weapons that are not of the flesh are needed. And Paul's going to talk more about that in coming verses. We're going to pick those up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Matt Wheatfelt this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Lutheran Church Extension Fund exists to support Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and church workers. How do we do this? Your investment with LCEF makes it possible for LCMS churches, schools, organizations, and church workers to receive low-cost loans for new and growing ministries. And faithful Lutherans like you, church members and church workers alike, make that possible when you invest with LCEF. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Monday, January 29th. We're studying 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 18 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. He serves as Assistant Vice President of Admissions and Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
Pastor Wheatfelt, prior to the break, we were talking about this war that is not being waged according to the flesh. That's in verse 3. That means that in verse 4, weapons are needed that are not of the flesh, different kinds of weapons. So Paul talks about those weapons and what happens with those weapons in about verses 4 through 6. Help us into what he says there. Yeah, so Paul is trying to help us see that that that, that these are not fleshly things. And so if they're not fleshly things, what are they? We're talking about the divine powers the, the, uh, the, the, to destroy spiritual strongholds. This is spiritual powers. This is, this is uh, Satan um, who is trying to now work within this congregation um, through false teachers. Uh, and who are they going after? They're going after the true apostle. Um, and so in Sa- what Satan's trying to do here is to cause division, is to cause separation between and to cause stir doubt within the teachings of, of what Paul uh, is, is doing here. And uh, so these, 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 what Paul is doing now is trying to open the eyes of the people to see that they are the, the, there, well, the problem isn't between Paul and, say, the super apostles. No, the super apostles are merely just pawns being used by Satan, trying to, you, trying to um, use them in order to cause doubt, cause question within, uh, within the church. No, instead, um, they are, they, as they are being used, um, Paul is not angry, as I said before the break, angry at them, but he's angry at Satan. So Paul now is 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 trying to flush out what they are saying against him um, and trying to to show that what they are doing is not good, is not what what they are called to do. So in say in verse five, you know, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. The, the, those who are speaking falsely are trying to use rhetoric and and, and wisdom um, from the world, but they are not using what is what what is what what we are called to use to to that the word of God is 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 useful for for all things for teaching reproof rebuke and the like. Um, they are trying to 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 show that whether it's Paul and his his weakness of body or whether it is. Um, you know, the, the, the cross, which is seen as, as, as the true scandal, uh, that, that Christ in some way giving himself up for the, for the sins of the whole world um, and him dying for the sins of the whole world, that that is some sort of weakness on Christ's behalf or on Christ's part. Um, Paul is trying to show in weakness, there is great power. What is seen by the world, by the flesh, as weakness, God uses for the good of those who love him. And so in the cross, Christ's death uh, is his ultimate victory. What is the cross of the sign uh, that the Romans used in order to scare people um, is now turned and is the sign of our great power, our power in Christ. And so um, St. Paul, as he continues on, he's pitting now this idea of obedience to Christ against the disobedience that the that the people are bringing in, uh, 
and we'll see more of that as we get into later chapters, especially um, 11 and 12, um, and, and, and what the super apostles are kind of teaching against um, Paul and how that now is, is, is really laying forth disobedience as opposed to we who are of the church are called to a life of obedience to Christ, a fulfillment of what he, is, he has called us to. And, and who he has called us. Hmm. All right, so with those things in place then, it seems as he moves into verse 7 that Paul now is going to, to turn a little bit back more to his own ministry and, and his apostleship. In verse 7 he says, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. He talks a little bit about boasting and, and the purpose that boasting is there for. Uh, take us into the next couple of verses. Yeah, so in verse 7, St. Paul is trying, I think, to show, okay, you see the works of our hands versus the works of the others. If you say that you are of Christ, this is what the life of Christ looks like versus the life that the others are trying to say is, a, is, is, is the true life of faith. But if you see us and, and who are of Christ, and you see yourself and claim yourself to be of Christ, you will see that we are actually one and the same. The problem and the solution are very clear. Christ is all in all, and he is the one who is, is, uh, is, is, is uh, bringing forth true faith. And in that, you see us who are of, the, of Christ, and if you see yourself of Christ, you'll see that we really are one. And so Christ then goes on, in, or sorry, St. Paul goes on, Freudian slip, um, to say, um, you know, really this, this idea of boasting. Um, we don't boast of our own authority. We don't boast of the things that we have within ourselves. No, instead, we boast for what Christ has given to us and who Christ has called us to be. And in that, I, I, Paul, cannot be ashamed. Uh, he says, I am not ashamed, and he will not be ashamed. Um, I would also, you know, in many ways, I think you could read into this, I cannot be ashamed, because it's not of me, it's of Christ. And that is simply who, who we have been called uh, to live within and called to be of. And so uh, in verse 10, then St. Paul goes into actually quoting his opponents and using now what, what, what they have said ag against them, uh, that they, oh, his letters, you know, and I, you could all, I could almost hear St. Paul kind of, you know, uh, speaking sarcastically, if you will. <laughs> oh, his, his, his letters have weight and are strong, but his body is weak. Uh, and his, because of that, his speech has, has no account, um, you know, them, them trying to mock um, Paul. Uh, but, you know, in many ways, what, what they are doing is simply they're trying to get in front of uh, their falseness and in order to point the finger at Paul and say, no, 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 he's, he's the one that's false um, uh, before Paul can come out and call out what they are, what, what they are doing. And so uh, in verse 11, then Paul just saying straight out, speaking against, let such person, let a such person understand what we say by letter in absence, we do also in present. What I write to you, I'm also doing, and my people are doing as we stand before you. 
we are not two-faced in this. We are not speaking one way uh, so that you, we can, we're not speaking one way to you in a letter and then acting differently while, while we are present with you. The word is the same because the word is not our word. The word is the word of God and the word, and, and as the word of God is the truth. Thus, the word that we speak to you is the truth as well. And Paul, Paul, Paul just really trying to just level, and I don't even think trying, is leveling every accusation that those who are speaking against him lay before him. And so as uh, he, he, he concludes then in, in verse 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who, we, uh, who, who are commending themselves. That is, they're lifting themselves up. We are not trying to even say that there is any sort of comparison there. They are not even on the, not, they're not a step below us. They're not even on the steps with us. There's nothing in comparison here. For, uh, Paul goes on, when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are doing this without understanding. And they, they, they've started, it seems like in, 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 in Corinth, they've now turned um, this, their, this leadership of the church into something that is now to be mocked. They're comparing themselves in earthly ways. They're comparing themselves, whether it be in physical ways, in material ways, in whatever ways they might be, they're comparing themselves against each other in non-spiritual ways. And so in that, Paul is saying, we, this is, this is stupid. This is foolish. This is, this is not the way of Christ. We don't even want to be on, like in the same room as them, as they are doing these things, uh, which is, you know, truly amazing. Uh, again, Paul trying to say, we have nothing to do with these people, um, or at least we want to call them back to the truth, but what they are, ta- what they are doing right now is complete falsehood. Yeah, one one thing I want to pick up from this paragraph as a, a connection to the catechism is in verse 8, where Paul talks about the way he's boasting, maybe a little too much, of, of the authority. And he talks about what that authority is, that the authority is that the, given by the Lord, and it's for the sake of building up and not for destroying. I think that's, that's an important point uh, for us to understand what authority is, not only within the church, but within the world, that God gives within the fourth commandment. Because we do, I think, live in a world in which authority is seen as with suspicion and, and not something as, as good, something to be avoided. I, I should be my own authority. Rather, the fourth commandment teaches us, and I think Paul has something similar to say here, that authority is a gift from God, not for the sake of lording it over other people, but for the sake of serving and building other people up. And I, I appreciate that you know very direct description of what authority is there in verse 8, Again, especially thinking about the the fourth commandment in the catechism. Absolutely. And I think Luther especially highlights this within the table of duties, uh, too. And uh, just what what are we called? What are each of us called to do? Um, you know, there is it's not just that. So the, the those who are underneath of authority that are supposed to and that Luther lays out as those who have responsibility, but it's even more so. And I think that's why Luther begins there, um, that even more so it's those who have authority that 
actually have the power are called to bear that responsibility. And yes, responsibility in sincerity and truth and to, to not lord it over. Um, and this is now, think, this is, um, uh, I'm thinking towards, you know, pastors in, in way of their ordination vows, not to lord it over those who are underneath of us. Um, that is uh, not, not, uh, not, not, not in a negative sense underneath of us, but those who are under our care. Um, I think something that that is that 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 that, that the ordination vows particularly um, highlight um, here here at uh, the, here at CTSFW um, immediately after our pastoral candidates uh, receive their first calls, um, we have a uh, a, a um, uh, what is it called? It's a, a, a kind of a, a, you know a, a sending forth, if you will, um, that that um, that uh, Wilhelm Leia. Um, wrote that highlights this very well. That what is what is what is the purpose you know um, of of uh, of this office? It's not to get rich in it. It's not to have power in it. But it is in order to care for the souls of your people. And uh, there's there's great there's great responsibility with that with that. And uh, we should in that. Remember that this isn't our office; it is Christ's office, and thanks yeah. be to God for that. Because how many? Di- so often we are the ones that are in need of of repentance and forgiveness uh, for for screwing things up, just as our lay people um, are in need of repentance and forgiveness. Um, but uh, you know, thanks be to God that He continues to give that that to us. Mm, amen to that. That's right. That's right. So as Paul continues then into verse 13, this thought of boasting becomes very important. Uh, he says, we will not boast beyond limits, but only boast with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. He then begins to speak a little bit about his ministry, where it's gone, maybe where he intends to go. Uh, take us into this this next paragraph. Yeah, so um, in in verse thirteen, uh, Paul, it, you know, as he as he kind of is laying out this idea of boasting, Paul is brilliant in this. He were, and he's a he's a brilliant uh, he's a brilliant rhetorician. Rhetorician uh, in that he he takes an idea, oftentimes from his opponents, and he turns it on its ear. Uh, he uses it uh, against against them, uh, but it. Allows for it to kind of hold hold forth. So here, in way uh, of boasting, um, instead of boasting on earthly things, on vain things, Paul's boasting is in the Lord, and in boasting in the Lord, it's for your benefit that it may re- as he he says here that it may reach into you also, uh, and so that it may change who we are. Um, in verse fourteen, he he speaks of not overextending ourselves that is not going past what um what we have been given to do uh, not stepping over the line of our ministry of our boasting in Christ but even so that the gospel is to go to the ends of the earth that it is to continue to to go so that it may that uh, that it may reach you, and that uh, though that it, if through us it has reached you, uh, that we are the ones who bring the who were the first ones to bring the gospel to you, and thanks be to God for that. That it wasn't locked up, that it wasn't um, grounded and excluded and secluded within Jerusalem, within the the people of Israel, 
but that the kingdom of God, uh, the, the chosen, the new Israel is, is all people and all and is the church of Christ and is all is, that is of all the world. And Paul um, in 16, I think, really begins to, to just hammer what, where, where like the, the, in many ways, like the whole point of, of this pastoral plea so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting uh, with of work already done in other lands of influence. And then in 17, let the one who boast, boast in the Lord. Our boasting is not, um, you know, the, you, oftentimes we think of, of, of boasting uh, when someone who boasts as um, it being very vain and prideful, that they are lifting themselves up. Um, but we are not doing that. No, instead, as we boast, we boast not in the things that we have or who we, who we are, but instead we boast in the Lord that he has called us to faith, that he has given his son to die for our sins, and in that has obtained full, the full forgiveness of all of our sins for us. And now calls us to the waters of baptism to be his children. And that is nothing that we have done. That is not any sort of working that we have done in ourselves, but instead it's what Christ has done for us. And he, and he has called us to the faith. He has forgiven us of our sins and he continues to lead us forth each and every day. And thanks be to God. That is something to boast in. That is something to give thanks to God for. That is something uh, to, 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 to brag to the ends of the earth that we have a God who loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for our sins and does not call us to try to better ourselves, to try to make it right, to try to make sacrifices, to try to lift ourselves to him. But in the incarnation has now come down to us in order that uh, he may, he, not us, he may raise us up uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the right hand of the Father. So th and thanks be to God for that. And Paul concludes then the letter, um, uh, or concludes this chapter, excuse me, um, that let us now commend, let it, for it is not for the one who commends himself who is approved, but it is for whom the Lord commends. The Lord is the one who has raised Paul up as an apostle. The Lord has called Paul to this, uh, to, 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 to this office of apostle. He, it is not those who have tried to put themselves into this place that uh, they are false. They are fake. They are the ones who um, should be uh, in many ways now looked down upon. But Paul has been placed in this place by the Lord, by his call, and has been validated by the rest of the apostles as well. Talk a little bit about that quote that he offers there in verse 17 from Jeremiah chapter 9, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. What, it, what does that look like? What are the temptations to boast in ourselves? Talk a little bit about that in the, the lives of, of pastors and, and laity alike. Yeah, so it's very easy um, to, to, to think that what we have been given uh, is something of our own. Um, and it's very, you know, we find this um, particularly uh, in you know the false teachings of 
um, you know, whether it be decision, any sort of decision theology um, that, that one has to, uh, you know, make the make the make the decision for Jesus. Um, you know, the theology of glory also does this. That is, um, we uh, th- that is they teach that you can you see the works or you see how much the Lord loves you by the m- amount of stuff He gives you. Why? Because you're a good person. Um, because you've done what is necessary for him to show that he loves you. And these these theologies are completely back 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 backwards. Um, one does not make a decision to come to faith. Instead, we are called to faith by the Holy Spirit. He is the one doing the working within us. Same with same with the theology of of, of glory, that 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 false teaching that we see the love how much the lord loves us by the amount of stuff that that, that we have or by, by that he will continue to bless us because of uh, of the goodness that we we bring to the table friends we there is nothing in us uh, inside of us ourselves that is worth that is able to redeem ourselves we can't earn our salvation it is the lord who comes to us why? Because he has created us, he loves us, and he wants us to be his children. So he comes to us by sending his own son uh, to die for the sins of the whole world. And in dying for us, he raises us up to the right hand of the Father. And so that is what our boasting is in, not in ourselves. It is so easy to, to get lost within that to see the good things that we have, to see um, the, 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 the good place that we live and, and, and the way that the Lord has blessed us and think, oh, this is something that I've done. This is, this is work that I've done for myself. And uh, you know, it, I, 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 look what I have done. But that is completely backward. Everything that we have from, from, our, from, from, the, from our materials to our health to our reputation, these things are all gifts from God. Not because we've earned them, not because we deserve them, but because he is good and he is gracious. He is slow to anger and he is abounding in steadfast love. And uh, he continues to, to, to bless us as his people. He also, I mean, the, the, we have to acknowledge the fact that he also blesses those who are not of the household of faith. He allows rain to, 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 to fall upon those who are um that 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 are uh, that are not of the faith who are against the faith even um why because he is good and gracious um and they even though they do not acknowledge that he is the source he still is the source uh, of of what he gives to all people and uh you know we we simply are able to say thank you lord um and you know for the one who is suffering for the one who is downtrodden for the one who is poor for uh, you know what you know one should not see themselves as being despised by god uh, because of this but instead this allows for us to focus what who to focus our time and to focus our energy on who is the true source of um of 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 our of all that we have and to give thanks to God for the, what we have, but even more so to reside in him, to pray to him, to say, Lord, I acknowledge that 
even uh, all that I have, both the good and the bad is, uh, is, is, is you care for us within that. Thanks. Thank you for that. Hear my prayers. Listen to my plea for mercy. Take care of me, O Lord. It allows for us to, 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 to go within ourselves and to acknowledge our sin and to, reside, and to rely on the Lord, even in the midst of uh, suffering and hardship. With about two minutes left, Pastor Wheatfeld, help us to wrap things up on this chapter from Second Corinthians. So Paul, I, you know, he begins and has really encapsulates throughout the whole of this early part of his letter this idea of reconciliation. Um, it, what, what within reconciliation, it brings out both the the the, the best and the worst of of people. Um, it, it, it allows, it oftentimes causes us to lose sight of what is really important and who we are called to be as the children of God. Um, but what the thing to, to, to kind of highlight within this, and I think in many ways, this is, this is, this is what is happening here. The folk, the people of Corinth have, the church in Corinth have lost sight of what, 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 what they are, who, who they are. Um, and what they have been called to do, and so within that, now now this this bickering and this fight, this infighting has 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 turned up, and um, Paul is now trying to ground them. Ground them in what though? For our reconciliation doesn't mean anything if uh, if it's just you know earthly. But cr- first and foremost, Christ has reconciled us to the Father through His death on the cross. And in his reconciliation of us, we now are able to reconcile with one another, to forgive others, and it really be a full forgiveness. And it's this reconciliation with us and the Father and then with us and each other that is something worth boasting in, that it is, it, it is the true reconciliation, the true coming together, the true forgiving of the sins of us, that our sins have been covered by the blood of Christ that gives the full atonement, the full forgiveness that we can't earn in ourselves, that we can't share with one another in ourselves, but that has been won for us by Christ. And now we are able to share that forgiveness. We are able to share that reconciliation with each other. And thanks be to God for that. For it really is ultimately something to boast in as Paul boast in the Lord, so too we should be boasting, not in ourselves, but boasting in the Lord. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt serves as Assistant Vice President of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's been helping us today to study 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure, Pastor Oppel. Always a joy to be with you. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about 2 Corinthians 10, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.